0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Altmed podcast series. Um, I'm with my co-host as always, Mitch Kurtz. Before we introduce our special guest today, I just want to reiterate um, to really just hit like and subscribe if you're getting any value out of these podcasts. Um, We've had a few people come up to us and tell us that I think what we're doing is great. We've had even more people tell us that it's it's okay. Um, but yeah, we, um, we really hope that uh, you're getting some value out of it. Um, so yeah, do hit like and subscribe. Um, all right. So without any further delay, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce our guest um, who comes from a, another part of the industry that I think often sort of sits a little bit quietly in the corner that people don't really talk about. But we've got Vince Marone from Australian Cannabis Laboratories, and he's here today to tell us all about his lab and product testing. So Vince, welcome. We are so glad to have you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Andrew. And thank you, Mitch. Uh, It's been an an honour to to actually join this. So happy to give our perspective on what we do in the industry. Um, Yeah, I suppose we do have a little bit of a backseat uh, role to play. Um, It goes somewhat under the radar, but there's um, there's certainly um, you, you can't uh, ignore the fact that the, the industry requires uh, a certain amount of testing. And so um, we provide that that facility and knowledge. And uh, hopefully um, uh, tonight we'll probably put some perspective on exactly what the lab does, its role, uh, mm-hmm. and how it's uh, helping the industry, um, you know, sort of um, uh, understand the quality of the cannabis that's coming to market. And uh, hopefully uh, the audience can probably get a better understanding of the um, a role uh, so happy to
0: <clears throat> yeah no thank you man. it's it's an invaluable role and and one that yeah I mean we'll unpack there, there's so much to discuss but um but perhaps before we we dive into the lab can you tell yeah. us a little bit about your background sure. um I guess you, you you know what you're trained in and, and how you yeah. fell into testing people's sure. wings
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah um my background is um uh analytical chemistry so I'm a I'm what's, reg- what's regarded as a residue uh, analytical testing chemist. Um, and what that means, I look at uh, low levels of contamination or low levels of residue, environmental residue, uh, in any particular matrix. Um, now, uh, that's the background, the general background. So as an analytical chemist, you you look for um, very small amounts of um, compounds or contaminants, and you use in- instrumental analysis in understanding what you have in your product or your particular um, uh, matrix matrix so in this instance and, and what we've done in the lab is is transfer our knowledge in analytical chemistry to an understanding of what needs to be tested in medicinal cannabis and we came we came uh, came upon medicinal cannabis about three years ago when the licensing uh, all four years ago when the licensing uh, for cultivation and manufacturing was about to come onto the market and those who applied um, uh, were really new to the industry um, some came from different backgrounds botanical backgrounds horticulture, culture um, also just uh, a, bit, a lot of business types so we 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 felt uh, as chemists we could sort of uh, add to the industry we knew the testing needed to be done and, and be a significant part of the industry and i We basically used our tools that we were applying every day to other work uh, to uh, really work on medicinal cannabis, understand exactly what the requirements were and um, obviously mandated testing was there and uh, the TGA and the ODC really uh, um, published a lot of information or some information, I would say a lot, but some information guidelines about what they wanted to see and uh, so it, it was born from that understanding the requirements of testing um, and we put those in place uh, we had the tools to do the testing not all of them at the time but we had we had a majority of those tools and they involved um, what we call as uh, chromatographic instrumentation HPLC GC um, I can explain a bit more about those um, and so we used those tools to basically implement the mandate what's called the mandated TGO 93 program.
0: Yeah. And for those unfamiliar, um, T- and, uh, TGO 93, as, as best as I understand it is the Australian
1: quality minimum quality standard for Correct. medicinal cannabis. Yes, that's right. Uh, it, it is the minimum standard. Mm-hmm. Um, given it's an unapproved medicine, as we know and understand at the moment. Um, so, uh, the TGA, um, have what the, what they call these TGO programs. This happens to be the medicinal cannabis one, and there's been lots of others for other type of um, you know sort of unapproved medicines over time. This is specifically for the botanical um, uh, medicinal cannabis, botanical uh, sativics, or sorry, sativa cannabis sativa. Um, so it's it's a set of minimum standard guidelines. Well, the guidelines are a set of minimum standards. Um, they set out the procedures um, in a sense to uh, procedures for testing based on some European pharmacopoeia. Um, and so they set out a schedule, It's called the Schedule 1 testing program, and there's a battery of tests in those. And then there's also um, a series of tests around potency, mm-hmm. uh, which is the, probably the most quite significant test around that because of the... Um, the economic impact on uh, on medicinal cannabis and its and its its value
0: yeah and it's it's and interesting medicine. i mean the, the those standards uh, i mean from a i guess a public policy um, mm. angle uh, the tga mandates certain thresholds which yes. um, i know that a lot of uh, manufacturers will be coming to to labs like yours yes. to to ensure that their products stay within those thresholds so they don't the tga wants medicinal cannabis to have, you know, no more than a, you know, minuscule amount of, um, you know, foreign matter, ash, yeah. the ocra yeah. toxins. Right. Um, yeah. So these are all um, part of what you would be testing for. And I understand that, um, uh, you know, uh, there's also TGO100, um, so the microbial yeah. standard um, that products need to meet. And all of this really points to a bigger picture that, that sort of says that this legal market that was created um, some four five years ago um you know is subject to so much more stringent regulation than black market and i just interested just because it's popped into my head has anyone ever actually brought any black market products to your lab for
1: testing look certainly uh, yeah over over the last four years there has been i think several attempts to do that um look it's hard to it's hard to Stamp that out. You do as much as you can. Some things come in labelled. You think they're within the the regulation. There may be a product they've got um, uh, as a as a prescription. Um, it turns out that some of it some of it is a prescription based mm. cannabis medicine. So um, that's fine. Um, no, there are there are there have been particular attempts to test something that's from the black market. I mean, look, it's it's one of those things that. Um, I warn them that if I see any THC levels that are above you know 0.5 percent um, then that stuff is really um, and I don't have a particular say for example a cannabis manufacturing or cultivation license from them then um, it really is something I can't um, proceed with um, it's it's look yeah it, it is it is it is. It is a, a, a difficult one to navigate. Um, generally, the the work load that comes from the legitimate market is 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 quite good and, and sufficient. You don't need to go to the black market to do any of this work. Um, but look, yeah, some stuff. I think one or two things, or three things, have probably come through in the past. But I haven't proceeded any further than. Um, than expressing my uh, my uh, results and you know you <laughs> yeah. results and point. reservations pass. yeah you, you just do that you just have to say oh, we've got reservations around these samples and I can't proceed any further than that.
2: Without it's, in some senses, it's it's, it's it's a bit of a shame because there's there's a lot of people that are receiving products yeah. from here and there and everywhere really that don't really know what they're taking.
1: I, I, I know and and that's the thing it's about it you know you you, you look. It's a hard one to address on the phone with some people they, they say, look I've got this product and I, you know I just say look you really you really want to be asking where you've got this from you know I don't I try to ask a few questions more but I don't deliberately inquire much more mm-hmm. except to say that look if this THC level is high if I test it for you I'll let you know that it's quite high but I won't express any further results. I'll leave it at that. We've, we've, oh, it, is, it is a, it is a, it's a, it's a challenge.
2: It we've is. kind of gone on this tangent very early in the podcast, but, <laughs> yeah. but um,
1: but since no, we're here, it is, it's,
2: it's a reality. It's a reality of this industry. <laughs> yeah. Since we're here, I'm just curious: is there anything that the average person can kind of do at home to test if they, if they do have received something and they're wondering,
1: rather than potentially getting sick or, or being, yeah, sick or, or yeah, really. no, I oh, look, I um. But, they, they look there. There's probably, I think there are kits out there to test your CBD uh, or THC levels.
0: Like a mobile um, chromatography kit. <laughs>
1: well, it's yeah.
0: like, yeah. Bring it
1: to your house. Yeah. Oh, they're probably diagnostic kits. They're maybe color metric. They might give a particular color, a bit like um, maybe when they're looking for illicit material where they, you know, it's sort of um, um, perhaps at the airports where they might find some illicit material and they try to work out exactly what it might be. Gotcha. Um, there are kits along those lines which might be semi-quantitative. Um, yeah, generally, yeah. I mean, you know, do they know what if the THC levels too high, or do they, have they got mycotoxin contamination? Uh, they got heavy metals. Look, you, yeah, it is a it is a difficult one to solve. Um, and generally, it's it's best to avoid. But it is not. I wouldn't say it's it's impossible uh, to avoid. Sometimes uh, when Samples are sometimes just sent to the lab and, you know, they come in as a particular number. You look at it, you don't know where, and you try to work out what's going on. So usually it's, um, if people are are reluctant to provide their name and details, um, then those sort of things um, sort of send an alarm bell a little bit. So I try not to proceed any further. I have ignored quite a lot of stuff. I get a lot of emails. I have to ignore it. Uh, It's it's so blatantly obvious what, what, what the attempt is trying to do. And I just it is it is what it is
2: yeah. yeah out of curiosity so what when i think about you know your your work i think white lab coat a yeah. beaker some yeah. colorful liquids going through tubes yeah, yeah, all, sure. yeah, yeah. all around the Absolutely. what um for how, to break it down for people listening that might not have a background in chemistry Yes. What what does a typical kind of analysis entail? Like how does it how does it kind of
1: work in the yeah sure? Which is referring to us, by the way, because we <laughs> don't have that kind of demonstration. And look a typical analysis. I'll tell you how it works in the lab. Okay, we've got some legitimate product. We've got some CBD. Uh, we've got some uh, terpenes in the in the mixture. It's a whole plant extract. It might be an isolate. It's botanical material. Okay, it's uh, wrapped up in the lovely labels. Uh, it's got the uh, um, the um, Potency, to t- uh, potency label on there, THC uh, quantities or CBD, different ratios of CBD to THC. It's all very, very looks very authentic, and, and it is obviously. It's in a, it's in, a, it's in a bottle. It's in a, it's in a container. Um, well, the first thing you do is you, you you've got it from a lab point of view. You've got to log it in. You've got to, you've got to weigh it. You've got to know. You've got to record exactly the information that's on the container. Um, uh, this is done through what's called a chain of custody uh, where you get a document that's uh, basically uh, uh, signed off on from the client that says I want this test and there's a whole battery of tests which we put on the chain of custody those uh, those tests are basically ticked off um, for those that they they want potency done they want terpenes they want microtoxins they may want heavy metals so people select the battery of tests the full complement of tests are on the chain of custody and that that completes what we call the TGO battery of tests. Um, sometimes, a lot of the time, in fact, it's uh, a potency test. And so the sample arrives, it's it's logged in, the chain of custody is signed off, it's returned to the client, acknowledging that we've received the sample uh, and will undergo the test. The sample is really, um, it's really taken up into the lab and it's, it's, it's basically, um, if it's in the case of a botanical, it's, it's, it's homogenised. Uh, so a subsample of what we receive is, is homogenised in a grinder um, to a, and to a very small particle size. Uh, we often use liquid nitrogen to, to sample the botanical material. So we actually create a homogenous um, uh, uh, botanical mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, then a subsample of that, um, it may well be, for example, one gram of material subsample from 10 grams. And that's extracted in a particular solvent. Um, there are various solvents used in the industry. Um, ethanol is really one of the better ones to use, particularly for botanical, and a lot of the industry would use that anyway. It's it's cheap to, to purchase, uh, accessible. Um, I think uh, at that point you you extract it out. Uh, you you uh, may have to dilute it, which means you just uh, dilute the extract into another solvent, and then presented to the instrument, you presented to instrument in a vial it just happens to be a, a vial that has a liquid in it. And, and against that you also um, you also test a series of standards. So you're, you basically use what's what I call a liquid ruler, um, a series of standards which allows you to work out what's in the unknown. and you run that and present that to the instrument as well. And of course you have up to you know different, two different types of instruments for analysis. Um, HPLC or high performance liquid chromatography, or UPLC, ultra high performance liquid chromatography. They're more or less the same, but mm. but UPLC is a more advanced and superior technique um, in doing potency testing. You may have GCMS as well. That's for pesticide testing and and also for terpenes. And you may have um, another instrument uh, that has a particular detector for mycotoxin testing um and, and so I mean,
0: these, these machines they're effectively this yeah. is, is this is really um yeah. showing how little i know but yeah. is it effectively firing light at
1: the sample
0: How, how yeah, does it work?
1: Yeah. yes yes what, what it is the for example if we go to the hplc or the chromatic uh, liquid chromatograph basically you present a sample in a liquid form which um you then um it, it's basically injected if i can put it that way a, a sample is injected onto uh, what we call a HPLC column. It's a. It's just a. It's just a, a long stainless steel column with a particular uh, packed material in there. We have a certain chemistry, and it's that chemistry that allows us to separate the individual cannabinoids. Uh, for example, we're talking about potency testing. So those cannabinoids travel at different speeds um, along the HPLC column, and they basically what we call or what we use the term we use the term elute from the column and they elute from the column and and basically they enter a detector and the te- the detector is usually you a uv visible detector and so the eluent which has the the cannabinoid in it that that small amount of cannabinoid you're measuring it passes through the detector and the detector senses it it picks it up that something has been measured and it's and it's it's the absorbance of that of that cannabinoid, the absorbance of that particular compound that then is, um, uh, the software then uses that absorbance measurement and represents it in a particular way. In this way, it represents it in what what we call a chromatogram. And it's just a series of peaks and troughs, basically, that um, allow us to determine um, the type of compound we're interested in. Um, Have we got THC or THCA or CBD? And they all come out at a specific time under strict conditions, and that specific time is called a retention time, and it's and it's unique to that particular instrument at that particular um, setup. So uh, we can then use that to standardise our our instrumental analysis along along with a series of standards, and then we can use those to determine how much um, of each cannabinoid is in there. So um, it's it's really uh, a uv a uv detector like getting back to your original question it is it is not say firing light but the the light that's transmitted through the detector is interfered with by the passage of this cannabinoid mm, coming right, out right. a specific time and and that's how we measure it yeah ah, so. i
2: see and so what are what are some of the trends that you're seeing in the lab what what kinds of um Cannabinoids? Are you seeing on mass? Are you seeing anything interesting coming through in recent times? Yeah. Look, look, um, the lab is doing
1: the pretty much the big what we call the big four sticks: um, THCa, THC, CBD, and CBDa. Okay, so well characterized. uh, Obviously, in a clinical setting, these are the cannabinoids of of interest. We know that. Um, uh, Further to that, of course, we do other cannabinoids. We do probably another well, do another six to seven cannabinoids. And these are, these are very small quantities of cannabinoids um, that, um, well, they're biosynthesized. They're synthesized within the plant depending on where they, where, you know, the, the sort of metabolic, or not metabolic, but biosynthetic pathway of the plant and what it's producing. But you get things like um, uh, CBG. CBG is a, what we call a, a primary cannabinoid. From CBG, you get your THC and your CBDs. Uh, depending on the uh, the pathway, and then you get your acid forms. The plants, the raw the raw material, the the the, the, bot- the botanical material, the botanical flower produces the cannabinoids um, at different in different quantities, depending on the genetics, obviously. But it's um, it's producing a whole lot of other cannabinoids. Now, um, why it's doing that? Um, obviously, there's a lot of work going on understanding that that principle and why it's doing that. It seems to do with the stability of the plant. Maybe, Um, maybe there's just a lot of metabolic pathways within within that plant. Basically, cannabinoids uh, that we detect and determine are CBG, CBC. These are cannabichrome um, uh, type analogues. Uh, There's also um, other ones called CBLs. Uh, they They all occur in both neutral and acid forms. The acid forms is the native form. The neutral forms are are there in smaller amounts. Um, But the acid forms generally, depending on the conditions, convert over to the neutral forms. Um, They're not all psychoactive. Um, THC and some of the THC analogues are, but the CBD ones aren't. Um, But they are obviously therapeutic value. So there's a lot. There's about 11 or 12 we currently measure, uh, what we call the, the extended list. Yeah, and, and, and we can do more, but they're very expensive to buy some some of these standards. So, you know, we tend I, to do it on. I, I know a lot of people are
2: starting to get into terpenes and, and yes, asking about yes. what kind of terpenes they're seeing as kind of complementary yeah. to the name. Yes. Absolutely.
1: Market. Yeah, yeah, terpenes very interesting. Obviously, you know, people have talked about this entourage effect, um, even within a clinical setting. So, um, the terpenes are. Yeah, they're, they're, they're obviously part of a different pathway within the plant um, but the, you know the, the cannabis um, uh, has what I see is probably a unique set of terpenes coming through that I see um, uh, which we don't see in probably some other plants other plants do produce terpenes of course it's not unique to cannabis um, but, but the, the obviously the aroma of cannabis, uh, that everyone is, is, is aware of. A lot of people are aware of it, obviously, as a result of the terpenes. Um, you do see, uh, we, we see up to at least 24 to 25. There are more. There could be even up to, uh, I think, 30, 35 terpenes. We're measuring 23 to 25 of them. Um, there's a, quite a range. There's uh, anything from the, what do we call, volatile terpenes like pinene, beta-pinene, alpha-pinene, uh, linalool. Um, then you've got your late, what we call mitolutas or, or sort of moderately volatile things like eucalyptus or eucalyptol. Um, you've got uh, geraniol, geraniol acetate. These are, these impart different aromas. Um, the synergist, synergistic effect are with cannabinoids obviously is under study at the moment. So trying to work out exactly what, how it all works is, 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 is really um interesting at the moment. But what we see is a lot of um, uh, later looting compounds like bisbolol, uh You've got gualol, I think there is. Um, there's a few others on my list here. Um, Humulene, mm-hmm. uh, uh, carif- carifalene oxide as well, and carifalene. That's Carifalene is a, is a principal component of terpene of cannabis. So there's a whole range of things. Um, they're all there at small amounts, less than Anyway, under, under 05 uh, definitely under 1%, um, generally around the 0.1% to 0.5%. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, generally that's where they're found. If, if In a botanical setting, not so much um, as I found in, in testing oils, depending on if it's a whole plant extract, we do find them. If it's not, if it's usually from isolates, uh, no, the the, can have, the terpenes are gone. Um, Carifalene tends to persist. A little bit in the process in the manufacturing. So we do see that, but not much.
2: And interestingly, there's one last little bastion, which I know yeah. is not very readily easy. You know what I'm already going to ask you, but um, you know, this next kind of yeah. people started with major cannabinoids and they moved to minors, then they moved to terpenes, and there's now a kind of interest in flavonoid.
1: Yes, there is, there is. Yes. Um, yeah. Um we've got requested I there. Guess. there yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a complex area there. Um, hard to get standards. Look, they're available. We we look. I, I haven't seen. I haven't been looking for them in in our chromatography work. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, some requests have come through uh, on those, and certainly we're interested in in looking at that. Um, getting standards for those is very very expensive. Um, so that sort <laughs> of test profile is at another level. Um, it, it's technically. Feasible? No, not, a, not an issue. It's just that the instrumentation. Okay, you've got that. We've got the instrument. Do we have the standards? Well, we need that. Do we have extraction procedures? Do we have those. Um, but it, it's actually doing. Um, uh, can it be reliably determined? Can the can is it is is the method robust right. enough? And that's what we're we're trying to do. And I think that's uh, the angle that I see coming through quite quite a bit. Um, we're we're not in that position, but we'll probably look at that pathway some way at some time down the track, and see what we do. It's just trying to find suitable standards. We have to go to different sources to find them. Yeah. Um, current yeah. current yeah. supply chains are very expensive. Yeah, going through yeah. the current supply chains.
0: Yeah. Um, I had a question when you- on uh, something, yeah. Mitch. Sorry, if I, I I just it's around the um, yeah. just this potency. So one of the mm. reasons why I think a lot of people, um you know, take comfort having a legal yeah. product is that they expect that what's on the label accords with you know, yes, what's, in the, what's in the product. So I, understand. Um, I recall seeing last year, the TGA did a, a bit of a, a sort of a random spot yeah. check of some of the the top products that had been um, requested through the special access scheme portal. So these were at the time of yeah. the best selling um, medicinal cannabis products in Australia. And yeah. There was a sort of a bit of a public uh, name and shame exercise well, that, that followed, um, yeah. which, yeah, certainly stirred the industry into a bit of a frenzy. But I'm yeah. just curious, um, did you follow that? And and what were yes. your thoughts on on that whole thing and, and just generally yes. around potency?
1: Yes, yes. Oh, no. Um, I, I was aware that uh, a testing program was to be initiated, um, but uh, when it was to occur... I, I wasn't aware, and I was alerted to it um, probably a week or two after the uh, the testing was completed and the results were published. So, um, and we we're involved in two product lines. Um, we were, we looked at our results and looked at what was published, and uh, you know, in the in the in a sense, we we're quite pleased that we really got over the line for the client and that we're within the specifications um, allowable specifications for that product and. The products uh, without We're nation no, Sorry to jump in, but if I can un-
0: clarify it, uh, just to yeah. jump in. So, in terms of for for those at home who would have yeah. medicinal cannabis, um, the allowable threshold is ten percent. Yes. Way right on on a on a stated and and I think it's twenty percent
1: for flower. Correct. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's correct. So yes, so uh, we we had the results for both product types uh, mm. and. Um, yeah, we uh, we within the specifications, allowable specifications for that product, um, we had one product um, that was just outside those specs, but um, though we we felt we understood those results to be not unexpected, but and, and quite reasonable because um, the the margin of error uh, that the TGA put forward uh, wasn't. Um, wasn't divulged, so the, we we didn't have a, sort of a measure of their uncertainty in their results when they published those results, so that um, one could gauge where um, where that that range was for that product. And 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 even though they you know that they, they put a ruler up and said it's ten percent, but but in in any testing you do, particularly as we found in the, in the botanical setting, um, in a, in a natural product, this variation is real. Um, and so that your testing regime needs to be carefully uh, examined to see um, where your uncertainty lies and if you're if you if you if you're producing a, a particular number um, there, there's an uncertainty around that number And that, that may mean it might be under the 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 regulations or the threshold 10% or just over but that's your that, that that's your allowable uncertainty you you say that's okay and so we found that to be the case in the product um Uh, we tested so that we felt quite comfortable. And and in fact, the client did as well. Uh, They they obviously uh, went back to the TGA and explained the situation. I think there was a a bit of um, argy bargy going on there, so to speak. Um, The other stuff with the botanicals, um, it, it was interesting because there was, from the TGA's point of view, we understood there was no correction for moisture. And that's an important facet of, any botanical testing, you must correct for the moisture levels. And of course, when you do that uh, in this particular product, um, if I can remember correctly, it brought it within the specifications. That moisture correction bumps up the result. Right. Um, so to speak. So that 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 was not clear in the in the release of those results that they were moisture corrected. And so I think that was um, sorted out sometime later. Um, and of course what you must do in any testing we, and In fact, we learned this the hard way too. In, in terms of the res, when we doing this work initially, you, you're producing, um, you're doing some work, and, and you're not, the specifications of the TGA didn't allude to any moisture correction. So that was uh, that was missed, uh, so to speak. And so obviously um, uh, now you you tend to incorporate that in any result. Yeah, and I think. Uh, that's- but it is a concern for those who patients who might have a product going back to the patient because it's been patient centric. It's it's important they have confidence in the results that come from the laboratory testing. Um, uh, it's just a shame that, um, you know, really su- some some gauge of uncertainty wasn't produced at the time because uh, we, we would have got a better understanding of the product uh, that was available and it was coming out and was available to patients. Yeah. Um, um, but, look, uh, I think it was a wake-up call to the industry, so that's um, perhaps uh, something that needed to uh, be done. I perhaps the the circumstances that um, under which they did them were probably a bit controversial. but um, Yeah, that was interesting time. That that
2: water correction sounds a little bit like the, um, something it took me a minute to learn about, which was the the, the acid molecule correction when you, you don't just count CBD, oh, yes. CBD, Yeah, you, yeah you, that's right.
1: 0.877. That's the right. number. Yeah, that's the magic. Yes, you've got to get a, what's called the equivalence. You've got to, it's got to be, because, um Obviously, with TG, let's say T, 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 um, THC, it, it's it's the availability of the total amount of THC to the patient, and so um, the acid form is included because um, uh, you know the actual combined THC is available to the patient, and that includes the acid form. But but you correct for that the fact that it's got an acid group on it, um, and then that that brings down the measurable amount of THCA you then add the THC as a total available THC result and you do that with CBD as well so that's an industry worldwide industry um, uh, um, ex- uh, you know a provision of data you need, need to provide both sets and individually you need to provide out what the THC result THCA result is and also the THC and then combine them so just coming
2: back to the, you know, the kind of margin of error and, and maybe getting it tested in one place and getting it tested elsewhere and yes. having it, yes. a different result. Yes. Um, you know, when, when I think when I think about it, and maybe when the, the average uh, weed enthusiast out there thinks mm. about it, you think, okay, it's gone to the lab. Yep. That is a scientific process. It's mathematically yes. based. Yes. How can it come up with a different result depending on where you went? Are you able to walk us through
1: how that, that does occur? Yes. Look, um, there is a lack of standardisation uh, amongst the methods that are utilised in most laboratories, and um, that's just not in the Australian jurisdiction. That's a worldwide thing, and uh, I understand that has been addressed. Uh, it's a very important one. Um, the methodologies are generally used... Uh, have come from an identifiable source, a recognised source. There's a European pharmacopoeia, there's the German pharmacopoeia, there's also the Dutch pharmacopoeia. Uh, these are recognised methods of testing, um, and they've been utilised by a lot of the laboratories, and there's also published peer-reviewed uh, methods out there as well. And they're quite, they're quite robust. What they lack, from what we can see at the moment, what they lack, and th- this in time this standardisation will occur and we be better for everyone, what they lack is this um into laboratory studies um there's a lack of that because it's a new emerging industry and it still is that In that sense, from a testing point of view there hasn't been um, a lot of a lot of laboratories that have come together to put together proficiency programs that address that issue and say okay you x amount of methods are out there being utilized how do we find out you know which ones are are, are good and and viable um and 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 how do we compare laboratories? And so there's a lot of work going on in ensuring there's some sort of standardisation amongst the labs. And so um, the proficiency programs will really address that issue. Uh, and also uh, I understand the AOAC, which is the Association of Official Chemists, uh, they've begun the standardisation procedure process for medicinal cannabis. And there's there's a lot out there now. I think they've signed off on uh, several methods and they're not, they' not I wouldn't say they're TGO specific methods because the Tgo is a specific Australian um, procedure or process but they address the issues the international um, laboratory um, uh, how would I say it? jurisdictions they would address issues of potency and microtoxins, microbiology so they, they look at everything in the medicinal cannabis area from a, a, um, a pharmaceutical point of view and they would address all the issues of testing so that the industry will adopt these industry standards um, in, the time, in time. So they will come. And, but, look, validation is an important aspect of any laboratory. So uh, validation where you uh, have an in-house method that, that works and you produce the data that, that suggests it works and you can prove that. That 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 is is really where labs are at, at at this stage in their process, and and as as long as they do it to an international standard, there's a recognised international standard of validation. Then really um, those those tests are they, they should be pretty robust. Mm. But laboratories, are, you know, from one lab to another, there is there is variation. You do where you do see it mostly, and this is the reality. You do see it mostly in the botanical testing. Mm. The, so. Not so much in the oils. The oils, if you think about it, is just a finished product. Yeah, everyone should get pretty much the same result. We're not talking about genetic variation or instability in an oil product. Yeah, you know, there's pretty much a it's a controlled finished product, and that sort of uh, variation, large variation, shouldn't be happening. So, but that that actually brings me to a question: Is
2: what's your perspective on GMP as a as a chemist, you're probably well-equipped to have a perspective on the importance of or
0: not importance of GMP in something like GMP cannabis. GMP being a good manufacturing practice, mm. a pharmaceutical yeah. manufacturing standard, yes. just for those playing yes. along at home. That, that's
1: right, yes. Yeah, well, of course, that's the that's the model that, um, you know, the, uh, the TGA uh, have set out uh, four years ago when they uh, – um, put all this in the pipeline about where they want to see medicinal cannabis. Um, of course, you know it's still controversial about why it's going down that pathway. Um, from our perspective, it's a um, a model that uh, that we accept that needs to be adopted as a NATA accredited lab. So we what we have is a minimum standards as, as a NATA accredited laboratory, and that's what a lot of laboratories are around around Australia. There are there are GMP labs. There are a few of them. They're not, they're not sprinkled around like they are NATA-accredited labs. It's another level uh, of operation and um, scrutiny. Uh, we, in fact, as a lab, we're a, a smaller NATA-accredited lab focused on medicinal cannabis testing, for, uh, according to GGR 93, although we do, we do research as well in medicinal cannabis. So there's a research profile that we're developing. But from a GMP point of view, we know we need to work towards that standard and adopt that standard from, from a laboratory through, laboratory point of view. So we need to look at accreditation um, to a GMP standard so that our testing protocols and procedures can undergo that sort of level of scrutiny that's undergone in other jurisdictions around the world. And then our results, whatever we produce, are acceptable to any jurisdiction that's, that has the GMP. Um, accreditation so it is it is something that's you know you can't ignore it really uh, if you undergo if you undergo if you want to undertake a lot of stability testing um they particularly on finished products uh and you those products are to go into international jurisdictions like germany um uh yeah. then you will you will need to be at that level uh Operate at that level and begin to operate at that level and, and see yourself over the line in time. But you need the resources and personnel. Now, we're we as a company, we're working towards that. It's some some time off. I've still got uh, to get a few more resources, like staffing, to be able to do that. But I think our plan is there. Um, it's 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 uh, it's 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 an achievable goal. It is. It's just about yeah. you know. Yeah, putting, I, uh, I think it's, it's. I mean, it's important it's
0: it's it's certainly the other end of yeah. the spectrum to what happens in america i mean there's heaps of just oh, no. kind of you know yes <laughs> um, um, there's a few cowboy labs
1: over there yeah, there are, there there are yeah yeah there are it is um look it every, it's going to impact on everything because the, te- the 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 accessibility to cannabis is, is still as we all know is still challenging um the the price of obtaining medicinal cannabis is challenging um these these you know, having a GMP oversight is really going to add to the cost. Um, we all have to bear that. Um, um, it's it's yeah. We'll see how this develops. Um, we we certainly have uh, a commitment to it, but it's it's yeah. something that we just it'll, it'll come. It'll, yeah. it'll come. It'll come. You know, and, and it's just that if those if you want to if you want to be working in other jurisdictions and have big export uh to um to other countries then yeah it's it's mm. it's, it's necessary, a right necessary. Yeah. but but you know okay. the patient the patient you know what what does the patient see what does it what does it mean to the patient mm. it just means uh well two I things you've certainly way. got a high quality product mm. definitely that that's good that's a good thing yeah. Um, yeah but you do have additional cost and accessibility
2: yeah i think i think i've got I'm not sure if you've got more questions, Andrew, but I've got one. i got one, one more.
1: Yeah. You, yes. one?
2: you go or me? You go, Mitch. <laughs> I know that there's a lot of people, and this is this is not just a, a, a licensed cultivator or manufacturer question. Yeah. I think lots of people are wising up to the method of extraction yeah. um, that is used to, you know, even on the black market, people are talking about CO2 versus yeah. ethanol, butane. butane you know, yeah all these different methods uh, i'd love to get your perspective on the pros and cons of each because i think there are different pros and cons of each and yeah. i think the industry tends to lean a lot towards co2 but um depending on what your goal is uh, it's my understanding that there's different methods that might may be more beneficial less beneficial
1: in different yeah brands. yeah of course um yeah there's a it's a good question that one um from a lab point of view ethanol works quite well i mean no, we don't have a, a sort of a, um, a lab or bench type co2 extractor nor 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 will we purchase one unless it's maybe from from a research point of view um uh or we try to you know do other things in cannabis ethanol at a at a macro level at the, the level of you know manufacturing works works very well as you know as we know um it's um it's a it's a safe solvent. It's uh, it's an accessible and and um, inexpensive solvent to use. Um, but there are you know you do have problems with waste streams and how you manage those waste streams as well. CO2 is is um, uh, obviously people talk about carbon dioxide and you know they think of the greenhouse effect and what that impact might be. But totally unrelated aspect. But you know you're using CO2 as a, a powerful solvent uh, to 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 remove or to extract out. Um, the cannabinoids depend on the conditions. It, CO2 is a, you know, it's it's a non-polar solvent. It acts like a, it acts like a liquid and acts like a gas at a at a critical point, uh, and it is proven technology. Um, what it is, I suppose, it's a little. Uh, there's a lot, uh, a lot more specialized people, or it needs specialized people to be able to operate with CO2, um, uh, and I think you know, from a point of transport point of view, it's quite safe. You can easily move CO2 around. um, And you're basically left with a a CO2 gas, which is obviously vented to the atmosphere after the process is finished. Um, But it it does, it does, I think you can you can actually tinker with the specific conditions of CO2 to extract your cannabinoids, your terpenes, maintain the integrity of those chemicals as well in the extraction. Um, and also, what I think you know, ethanol is great at pulling out chlorophyll, and chlorophyll is something that people don't want, uh, as well as some fatty acid types and other lipids that are present in the botanical. So, you really got it. It depends on really what what the market is, what, what the market is, is is really wanting to do. It's 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 a choice for the manufacturer and where their um, where their um, their revenue streams are so okay. but, it, but it, 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 they're both you know they're both they're both necessary and uh, they'll, they'll work hand in hand and I think you won't see the demise of ethanol as an extraction solvent and and likewise CO2 will probably only uh, increase uh, in terms of uh, use um, yeah. in the industry so that's how I see it but I, as I said I've from a lab point of view, I only see it as, as ethanol, and that's our solvent. But that's the, that's one of the primary solvents.
2: When people say that you know ethanol might leave a residue that could be harmful to the end patient, is that, is that a genuine concern? Uh,
1: well, yeah. Well, it, you know, it's um, it, it is there. That's uh, that's a reality. Uh, pulling out all the ethanol, or uh, you know, removing all the ethanol, is a, is, a, is probably a challenge. Um, and that's why there's, in a finished product, you must do solvent residue testing. Um, the limits around that are quite generous. Um, the, the, there's, an, you know, PPMs of solvents in, in, in an end product are not are not a problem, um, particularly when they, it depends on the class of solvents that are being tested. But ethanol is one of those there where there's a generous limit and the amount that's there. It's not It's not going to make anyone... Um, you know, <laughs> go right. over the limit in any way? Not at all. <laughs> it's just, it's, it, can you can the can they be perceived in the in 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 the oral uptake of a cannabis oil or or whatever it might be? I I, I don't know solvents or in capsules because obviously there's a lot of uh, medicinal cannabis being prepared in capsules. Um, I I don't I don't know. I don't have enough information or industry knowledge to know no. what the impact is. All I know is the the, there are generous limits on those solvents
2: okay.
1: in the end product, and you know it's it's, it's easy to see them when they're there.
0: Um, last question from me. I um, just noticed when we were talking before about the process from when you know somebody drops off their sample to you, yeah. you put it into the vial, it goes into the chromatography machine. Yeah. We never got to hear the part about the tasting um, notes that that you you do. So the. <laughs> And I'm I'm just curious when you when you send back to the client a report yeah. which has your you know your cannabinoids your terpene potencies uh, do you ever sort of attach tasting notes um, just to sort of no
1: no no <laughs> no I've gotta be honest um I I, uh, I enjoy I enjoy the the lab aspect of the cannabis and the testing part and we see it we see it come in it's there I have no um mine's a really a, a, it's funny i'm pretty boring like that but it's more of a professional interest in it Mm. i've not even had cannabis (laughs) it's there and i look at it i do like the aroma um but i've not tasted no of course i haven't tasted anything, so i have no no idea um i'll be be honest there is all the
0: different smells from the different oh
1: yeah 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 yes you do pick those up um they although they tend to because there's a lot of carifalene and some other terpenes, they tend to be the predominant ones that hit you in the when you open up a, a particular botanical mm. um, uh, or take it out of the bag or out of the canister, wherever it did if it's a finished product. Uh, the oil is not so much the the oils. That you, yeah. you really just pick up the oils, really, the, the smell of oils, the MCT oil, if there yeah. is any odour. But there is some perceptible odour, but not so much the terpene. Um, no, I um, there are issues around what's come across our desk recently, but i it's very hard to get a grip on it and understand what's going on because it's a, it could be a personal thing. But there's, there's issues around bitterness in some of these products, the oil products. And mm. the patients, I understand, have complained about the bitterness. And look, I know I've tasted MCT oil. So, you know, you put it on your... It's very bland. It's just an oil, olive oil. I mean, oil, oil, oil is a bit more aromatic, but but these are in the in things in this finished... Medicinal product it tends to be pretty bland, um, so I, I don't know uh, what's going on there. Where there's some rancidity going on, issues around that. So there's there's things that testing around that needs to be done.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah, but um no 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 tasting notes or anything no, like no. that. <laughs> nothing I can put down on on anything. Um, <laughs> no wafting,
2: no wafting THC distillate. No 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 nothing. nothing
1: no nothing like that. No, no. no oh, what, a, what a
2: shame! <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? It is, it is. Um, no. No, it's interesting. this stuff is interesting. Oh, it's fascinating stuff. It really is. Yeah. Um, just, um, it's. I, I think you know. There's, there's obviously a lot more work to be done. Um, you know, as I said, we're, the lab is doing that sort of routine testing program, but it's, but also there's more as, as. As researchers get involved there's uh, another another stream of testing or research that needs to needs to be done and be be a part of it so we're, we're sort of a, a cog in the wheel where we're just we're part of the part of the process of bringing cannabis out um, and from our point of view we you know we'll undertake some research projects that are not routine but they may be slightly different and that's 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 quite satisfying when you see things like that and and you start to see that some results that that the clients are interested in or some of the researchers are wanting to see. Um, and um, yeah, basically just using the tools that we have to be able to you know, put it, in, put some of the testing in perspective. Well, you,
0: you, as I said at the outset, I mean, you guys just play such a, a, a vital and important role yeah, in seeing the more products than I would think most people. Yeah, we have,
1: do. we have now after, yeah. after a few years, I've seen a lot of stuff come through um, Look, it's, 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 you know, it's the botanicals. You get your, your resins as well. The resins from the research, but there's some research groups out there with research licences. And so resins are, are being tested as well. Obviously, the, they're very concentrated uh, materials. Um, then you've got um, this other side, which I, didn't, I haven't alluded to, but there's also um, hemp, hemp foods, and hemp products. Mm. And they also have come to the fore from a testing point of view. Um, and so that's the flip side of, you know, sort of cannabis where you've got cannabis medicinal and you've got hemp as well. Um, so that's fascinating, but, um, yeah, cannabis, uh, cannabis is a fascinating product and uh, you know, it's, it's obviously it's importance in, uh, addressing, um, you know, uh, clinical in addressing sort of issues in clinical settings. I think it's going to be, um, one of the, um, biggest things going forward i think i think it's cannabis is here to stay and i think where we play a part and uh, obviously there's a lot of industry partners uh where you know we obviously see cannabis has been a, a vital part of um you know the development of the industry absolutely well,
2: we appreciate that you run a uh, professional outfit and that if you're dry <laughs> and, and that if, if you're if you're I've, I've got a logo that's yes, yeah exactly <laughs> If your, lab, if your lab asks you if they need a minimum of one kilo of organic material, you know there's something else going on, I
1: think. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, look, yeah, when, you, when you say that, look, numbers, uh, the amount, it's a struggle for a lab sometimes when the, it's interesting because the, from the outset um, there was a clear understanding that labs would get a small amount of cannabis for testing when you realise what the industry is trying to do and the and the need for that testing, the amount that can come through a lab is significant, and managing that has become a challenge, because you know um, you know you, you might get a gram or two, you might get five, you might get ten. Fine, they can manage those things. But when people, are legitimate companies and cultivators, manufacturers say, "Oh, I've got a batch of 100 grams or 200 grams," you know, to process to, to test. That 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 that's at your limit, you know, and those sort of challenges hit us pretty hard um, because um, we have to remove or send back as best we can, as quickly as we can, the cannabis we cannabis we already have. Uh, that that has been quite challenging. Um, I believe the TGA or the ADC is addressing that issue now, mm. uh, so the labs um, soon will not have that imposition of. Of, of this amount of cannabis that they're allowed to have this maximum amount. And I think mm-hmm. that's a that's a welcome change because otherwise the industry from a from a business point of view it's it's very challenging to to actually yeah, to send it back door and door. forth. Yes yeah, I,
0: I imagine there would be oh. people out there that would volunteer their time to, to come to the lab and just vaporize
1: <laughs> up, that, out. that yeah. stock
0: that that is Yeah um, that's right. They easily take it away from us. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> they could be on
0: the payroll. But uh, no, very good. Well, no Vince, thank you so much for um for chatting to us. It's it's honestly oh. been uh, so enlightening to hear on the a bit more on the product testing side. Yes. Um I, I hope, you know, all all the um listeners got something out of that that you know really seeing how important the role is that you guys play in in helping this industry mature keeping yeah. it honest um yeah, so it's yeah, um, that's right.
1: yeah it's, that's it's right we, we do have a role though. i appreciate that the industry is um uh is it, it, we're, look we're a derivative of the industry if the industry matures and goes in the right direction then testing is here obviously um you've got to have a commitment to do this testing there's no doubt it's quite challenging and, and very uh, fast paced at the moment um, and so look, well, you're going to be around for a lot longer I, I, I'm saying I'm planning on course I've just uh, got to throw more resources at it as yeah. any lab does you, you really yeah, I, I wouldn't say any lab would say I've got all the resources I need because yeah. it's not you just don't have enough. It's a moving yeah. feast. It's we'll, a moving
0: feast. We'll, we, yeah. we will uh, I'm sure check in again. Yeah, we will. And uh, we'll do another one of these because I, I want to hear more about what you're yeah. in the lab and we can we can you know do it all sure. down the track. But yeah, um I no. give
1: you more anecdotal stuff without naming names.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or we can name names next time. I don't you know. Name's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um
0: no <laughs> thank you so much, Vince. We'll um yeah we'll wrap it up okay, there cool. we just thank you for coming on and we'll um look forward to the next one and yeah you know,
1: appreciate, appreciate it Andrew, and appreciate it appreciate and it appreciate coming on board and uh, giving them that perspective absolutely so, so, we're well, not too boring but um
2: no, no definitely cool. one of the more highbrow ones but but i think uh we, we need that
0: once in a while
1: otherwise yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, our yeah, listeners yeah,
0: yeah. will hopefully have yeah, yeah, yeah absorbed a lot of info and yeah to those you know listening just Please uh hit like and subscribe. Um, tell you know, your friends and family about this podcast if you think they'll get something out of it. But um yeah, thanks so much, Vince. Until next no time. Cool. Take care.
1: Thanks, we'll be in touch. Appreciate it. Thanks. You, Vince. Thanks Thank very you. much for